The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. This episode of the Structural Engineering Channel is brought to you by PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the PE structural exam. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the PE structural exam the first time. PPI's PE structural course is fully updated and taught with October 2021 code references and includes new editions of their PE structural books. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. When you take a live online course, PPI guarantees you will pass or you can take the on-demand course for free. PPI has helped engineers achieve their licensing goals since 1975. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all of the resources available for PE structural exam prep. Again, that's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S dot com. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. I am your host for today's episode, Kara Green, and I am flying solo today and we'll be talking with Michelle Cambarone, P-E-S-E and a mass timber specialist at StructureLAM about mass timber and how engineers can become more involved in the industry. Now let's jump right into our conversation of the week with Michelle. Michelle, welcome to the show. So in your own words, can you please tell our listeners more about yourself and what you do on a day-to-day basis at StructureLAM? Thank you, Kara. On a day-to-day basis, it's really different every day. But most of the time, I am responding to questions related to mass timber, especially given my territory in Southern California, mass timber is on the rise We haven't um, been doing as much or as in-depth as other areas of the country. So I'm responding to technical questions. I'm also talking to a lot of contractors, developers, engineers, architects uh, related to budgets and how can they use mass timber in their projects. So most of the time is just talking to people on the phone or responding to emails. If I'm bidding a project, I'll need to look over the drawings and put together a budget or a bid, and I work with our team internally to pull together the bid. It's really a fun job that I do because I use my amount of experience that I've gained over the years and work on something that's new and innovative. A lot of our engineers are very curious about the mass timber industry. It's great to hear from an industry professional on what the day-to-day looks like when you work for Structure Lamb or for one of these companies that provides the products. We have a wide variety of listeners. Some are engineering professionals uh, further on in their career, and some are fairly new and may not be too familiar with mass timber or are considering a career in mass timber. Can you briefly explain what it 
entails and what they should know about mass timber? So I'm glad you brought up the different types of listeners. And I'll I'll start from those that are in college wanting to learn about mass timber. And I'll step back because I'm on an NCSEA committee, basic education committee, and we survey every three years universities throughout the nation that provide civil and architectural engineering degrees. And of those, only 52% of those offer wood design courses, engineering courses. And that's not all the time either. Whereas they offer, 100% of them offer steel and concrete. So if you really want to learn about wood and it's not offered at your university, it may, may be difficult for you to really learn about basic wood engineering. And that's what I suggest is really learning about basic wood engineering. Now, there are some outlets out there like American Wood Council or Woodworks or APA that do do some training, but oftentimes their training is for continuing education. So you really need that groundwork or that foundation of wood design to really get into mass timber because mass timber entails new products such as cross-laminated timber and glue-laminated timber, as well as sawn lumber that is connected together to make nail-laminated timber. So understanding the basics of wood is really foundational to learning about mass timber. Now, for those that are out in the industry, they should have that foundation, but you can also gain a lot of knowledge from the associations or the organizations that I just mentioned, American Wood Council, AWC American Wood Council, and APA and Woodworks. The other thing that I really highly suggest, and I see this since joining Structure Lamb in February, is that I'm seeing a lot of design teams coming together to tackle this new innovative construction, mass timber, but they don't quite have the experience to really design it all by themselves. So what oftentimes we suggest is bringing on a specialty engineer to assist with that project. They're not the engineer of record. One that's on the team will be the engineer of record, but they'll come alongside with the engineer of record and really design the mass timber, design the connections, which is key to the success of any mass timber project is the connections. So they will share their experience through their engineering and the engineer record can learn about mass timber. Not all engineers are open to that, but I think just to set the project up for success from the get-go is having that experience on the team to have a successful project. No, I completely agree with you. And that's great feedback for our listeners. Now, you did mention something. So I am familiar with CLT or cross-laminated timber, and I'm familiar with glue lam or I guess some sort of glue lamination, assuming everything goes within the same grain. But you mentioned one other mass timber. Was it sonder? Nail laminated timber that's made up of two-by material. It's made with sawn lumber. That's what I was listening for. Nail laminated timber actually is under the category of mechanically laminated timber in the code. And it's been in the code since at least 1967 in the UBC, Uniform Building Code. It's prescriptive 
requirements have been in there and it taught the requirements that are prescriptive have to do with a fastener spacing and other things, how many supports it needs, how much it needs to be toenailed into the supporting member. Say you have a two by 12 sawn lumber, it's set on edge and then it's all solid wood construction. So the next two by 12 is right next to it and fastened into it next one. So it makes a solid plate. A lot of engineers were using that before CLT came on board. I mean, it's been in the code, as I mentioned several times, that in the code for some time, and it's just made its way back into construction. Say 2008, I remember seeing uh, working with a structural engineering firm here in Southern California that they were using nail laminated timber. But visually, it looks really nice because when you look up to the underside of the floor, you're seeing all these two by solid plate of two by material connected together. Now, there are challenges because you're dealing with sawn lumber and understanding that sawn lumber will shrink or expand depending on the environment. And since it's a natural material, but it all needs to be connected together. And um, there's also another product called Dow Laminated Timber that instead of using nails or screws to connect it together, it uses um, wood dowels to connect together. So essentially, when you're saying these plates butt up against each other and would essentially provide a diaphragm, either like a floor diaphragm or a roof diaphragm, depending on how it's placed? Right. So that's a good question. For nail laminated timber or dowel laminated timber, so nail laminated timber, oftentimes they will put wood structural panel, plywood or OSB on top to act as the diaphragm. For Dow laminated timber, there's only one company that provides that, and that's StructureCraft. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And they have an ESR report for the use of that. As, so it's kind of proprietary for using that. You mentioned the code, and we were talking a little bit about how in 2021, with some of the restrictions put on mass timber were lifted, I think, in regards to vertical construction in particular. I know that was the big hot topic that I remember. You've achieved a lot of success in your career around mass timber, even before this uh, 2021 kickoff that they had when they took that I don't remember the restriction, but I know it's up to 18 stories or so that you can design now. What would you say is the secret to being successful in the industry with the rise of mass timber, especially now that some of the restrictions that used to exist have been removed? So cross-limited timber has been in the code since 2015, and it was limited and wood construction itself, not just mass timber, but wood construction was basically limited to six stories, depending on the occupancy. And that, so that's a business occupancy. With the code change that occurred in 2021, you're right, you can go to 18 stories, depending on a lot of occupancy and protection. And so there are three new types of heavy timber construction. So heavy timber will be is type four. HT now. It's labeled as a type 4 HT. And that does not require any additional fire resistance. You can have the wood exposed, except for the exterior walls. It's a little bit different. But 
basically it's the timber, the sizes of the wood needs to meet a minimum size, which is specified in chapter 23. And then now there are three other types within type four construction, which is type four A, B, and C with varying various levels of protection that's required for the uh, mass timber. For those that are looking into it, one, I would really encourage them to look at all the free material that's out there. There's a lot of recorded webinars that are out there to really brush up on mass timber. I did a lot when I was with AWC prior to this job and recorded a lot of webinars and they have them on their e-learning and you can go watch them at your leisure for free. The other aspect is workshops throughout the nation. Next week is the International Mass Timber Conference, which is a conference that's been around for some time now, but it is the conference to go to to network with those that are familiar with mass timber or wanting to learn about mass timber. And they have tracks dedicated to different aspects of whether you're in the business or if you're a construction or you're an engineer, there's various tracks. So I highly encourage people who are interested to go to that event, not just because for the education, but the networking opportunities, the people that you can connect with. And that is probably the secret sauce is talking to people who have done mass timber before. You can get all your training online, but until you interact and talk with people and hear what they have to say, that's where you get your secret ingredient. And also get on a committee on mass timber. I know the Structural Engineers Association of Southern California, they have a wood committee where they also talk about mass timber issues. We've spoken to a lot of engineers and one of the key core concepts that is always given to Matt and I in previous conversations that we had is that working in an association is so key towards continuing education. And I think that was a great point to make for sure, especially a lot of around education. And then also, I think it was so interesting. So networking, because I think with Mass Timber, a lot of times the contractor as well as the manufacturer are very, have to work so closely together as well as the engineer. So it is key to have that network if you want to join because with the way that the construction method is with it being so new, or I shouldn't say with it being so new, I guess the design methodology requires higher or a more focused network and everyone working very closely together for everything to go smoothly. And I'm glad you brought that up because usually when engineers design their projects, they specify, say, a glue lamb, and then the manufacturer doesn't see that till it's further down the road in the design process. But with mass timber, it really is a different project delivery. And even before I joined Structural Lamb, when I was with Woodworks or when I was with American Wood Council, I really encouraged the designers to really connect with the manufacturer. And that's especially true for mass timber construction. I don't know how many times I've seen a set of drawings where they've already set the grid for, say, a 32 by 32 grid spacing, column spacing, and thinking that that's going to work for mass timber. But that's not really necessarily going to work if they really want to optimize the fiber or the wood that's in that project. 
That's more of a steel on concrete type building, which what everybody is used to. And so they go through this whole process, do their architectural design based on that grid and expect to have a mass timber building that's optimized on that 32 by 32 grid. So bringing in the manufacturer early on in the process to help with them to identify the grid and also to optimize the framing based on what the manufacturer can provide. Because each manufacturer has different capacities, different limitations. For example, we have a facility up in Penticton, which has roughly 10 foot by 40 foot panels. And then our one in Conway, though, can make up to a 60-foot panel, but it's a different species. It's a southern pine as opposed to a spruce pine fir or a spruce pine fir with a dug fir out on a lamb. So all of these things need to be considered to optimize the framing. And the way you optimize the framing is the less fiber, less material, the less the cost of the material. And that's the bulk of our cost is the material itself. Before we go on here, I would like to take a minute to recognize our other sponsor for this episode, Menard USA. Do you have projects where you are faced with building on soft or loose ground? Does it seem like all the good sites are taken and you're always building on poor soils that are a challenge for conventional foundation approaches? Menard may be able to help. As a specialty ground improvement contractor, Menard works nationally and internationally providing design-build ground improvement solutions at sites with problematic soils. Typical projects include warehouses, buildings, material storage piles, embankments, roadways, port facilities, storage tanks, platforms, and more. In many cases, ground improvement is less costly than traditional approaches such as removal and replacement or piling systems. Menard works closely with civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers to minimize foundation costs for wide ranges of soil conditions, structure types, and loading conditions. To learn more about Menard USA or for help on your next project, please visit www.menardusa.com. That's www.menardusa.com. That's great feedback, especially for our, our structural engineers. I know they're having conversations with architects because architects want to have this great new material. I mean, everyone's talking about wood right now. That's great feedback for them, especially if, that, if they have architectural friends, you know, kind of feed that line to them. Another example is, this was critical on another project, is there's different connections between just a simple thing, panel to panel, where this engineer had specified a half lap, which means there's a lip on each one and then they um, nest together. This went through the whole process. The panels are being fabricated. And then, unfortunately, the site where this building is, is very limited for accessibility and installing the panel. You can imagine it's like putting a puzzle together with this half lap splice instead of having a spline where it doesn't have to be, they could just be dropped into place and then a plywood spline is applied on top. So it's not that critical what panel goes in first, they just slide in place. So that's another thing where the engineer can be informed about tricks like that with installation and what they specify on their drawings. 
I was just talking uh, to one of my coworkers not too long ago about how I feel as though the construction industry is becoming more connected now than ever, especially with supply issues that are happening across all of the United States and Canada. And so this is great information for a lot of engineers to have to bring to those pre-construction meetings to help facilitate an easier design and construction timeline. So can you talk to us about a few innovative projects that you've worked on in the past and some of the new uses you're seeing for Mass Timber? I've only been with Structuralam for a little over a year. So I haven't seen a project from beginning to end because as you know, being in the industry, it takes a while for a project to develop from conceptual all the way to construction. I have worked on took over one project that's in Chinatown in LA, and it's a hybrid structure. It's um, a pretty site-sensitive project because of the politics and everything else that goes along with a new project when it's a sizable office building at where most of the buildings in that area are maybe two stories, and this one's four stories. But it's a very interesting project in that it's hybrid, in that it has CLT panels on steel construction. And it was one of the first projects for this contractor. The whole delivery process that was in place and everybody learning something new. So if people are in the area, it'd be great to go see it. It's the only mass timber project in Chinatown. The whole challenges that we're having with COVID. We have truck strikes going on. We have flooding. Where So th- these panels came from Penticton up in Canada. There was flooding going on and there was delays because of the flooding. So it was not necessarily innovative. Well, it was innovative because it's the first office building of this size in Los Angeles alone using cross-laminated timber. So that's the innovative aspect of it. But it was certainly challenging and working as a team, the whole team, the architects, the engineers, the contractors, et cetera, trying to overcome all these challenges that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis with supply chain issues, trucking issues. The types of buildings that I'm seeing is quite a variety. I've been talking to some people about sound stages because, as you may know, or some of the audience may know, sound stages have uh, tilt-up concrete walls typically, and then they have the heavy timber trusses. Well, those tilt-up concrete walls take a lot of time to build. They have the forms on the ground, they've got to lay the rebar, they got to pour the concrete, and they've got to wait for that concrete to cure. Whereas for if it was CLT and a glue lamb wall, all they would need to do is you'd have to obviously plan ahead to get those fabricated. But once they're on site, they go up very quickly. And so it's a lot faster than the tilt up concrete walls. The other types of projects I'm seeing a lot of office buildings. A lot of them are either hybrid, like the one in Chinatown, or they're all mass timber, glue lamb columns and beams, and then CLT floors. There's also some multifamily that um, I've been talking to groups about. Some of them are hybrid. In other words, they're conventional wood frame construction, and then they're using the CLT as the floor system. 
But imagine if you have the conventional frame construction that has walls that are panelized, meaning they're fabricated offsite, then they bring them to the site and those go up really quickly because they're all connected together. And then you bring in this CLT floor that is makes construction a lot faster. So those, the speed of construction is one of the key reasons why people are turning to mass timber, along with the sustainable aspect. And then single family homes and um, some laboratories also are utilizing mass timber. I've been seeing there was a, a building, I think it was a portion of a stadium in Houston that was done with mass timber. And I thought that was the coolest thing. It was so pretty when you went in. <laughs> We've done some other types of structures that are not necessarily mass timber per se, but they're certainly ice skating rinks where they're using large glue lamb beams, rec centers. We actually did the tallest building, was the tallest building in North America, the Brock Commons up in Vancouver, and it was 18 stories, one level of concrete overs with 17 levels of mass timber. And that was the tallest building until the ascent was topped out. In Wisconsin? Yeah, Milwaukee. But that 18-story building... While that was being built, the Tallwood Ad Hoc Committee for ICC was also doing their research and they used the Brock Commons as to the inform on the code changes that were going to be submitted to ICC for the 21, 2021 IBC. Oh, that is so nice. I didn't realize that was what affected the code change. Right. I mean, it's no coincidence that we can only go to 18 stories with mass timber because the Brock Commons is 18 stories. So you've mentioned a couple of things. You've mentioned your work with Wood Council and you've mentioned Woodworks. And then you mentioned your work with the American Wood Council. What are some of the other ways that engineers can gain more information on mass timber, you know, the design methodology? What other ways outside of watching their webinars do you think an engineer could really deep dive into mass timber? That's a good question. Other than the networking and going to workshops, they could visit a manufacturing facility if some had that opportunity. There's nothing like really seeing something being fabricated and manufacture all the process that goes through it. Structuralam has done tours to our plants. We have one in Penticton, one Conway. And getting to be able to touch the wood, talk to the people who are actually manufacturing the wood, who are creating the fabrication drawings, is really one way that can really give you some insight on, you know, why does it take so many months to develop the drawings and create this process? I've been fortunate throughout my career to not only see the fabrication in my company's plant, but also in, I was fortunate enough to go to Japan and they're doing cross-laminated timber there several years ago. In Europe, they're doing it, Canada, obviously. So really seeing how this product is made is a really good way to see it. And then also visiting projects 
going on building tours. I've been on several building tours where you actually see it installed and talk to developers and contractors to see what some of the challenges are. And I've been on several in the Pacific Northwest. That's really where Mass Timber has taken off in the nation. And experiencing all those buildings and seeing what's going on. Um, I remember talking to a developer while I was we were on a tour and saying, well, what's one of the drivers? Why are they doing these type of buildings? And they said, one of the main, well, two is the speed of construction, but also in the Pacific Northwest where there's really a shortage of people power or people, they use it as a carrot to attract people to their companies. Like they have an office building, they want to rent it out or lease it out. And when they're in that office building, it creates such a warm environment that people want to come work at the companies. And so creating that environment, I mean, it sure beats cubicle or white walls on all sides. Yeah, I feel like it would be amazing to go and work in a nice, beautiful cross-laminated timber structure. I've walked into a few of them and I'm like, oh, these are so stunning. I can see why the architects really like it outside of just the sustainability factor. From an engineer, you can probably appreciate seeing how all of the beams are connected together. How did they make the whole load path on how they're doing everything to physically see that? I know even on other types of construction, some engineers don't have that opportunity to really see how things go together. And I really encourage the younger engineers to really get out on job sites if you can. Go out with your boss and walk through a job site and see how things are go together. That's a real learning lab right there. And I know you mentioned before about a lot of engineers, a good way to learn more about mass timber is to get involved in the industry, especially in the associations. And I, I think you mentioned a CIOSC has its own wood division that you support. Sounds like the Structural Engineers Association directly. And then I think you also mentioned ICC. ICC has some sort of wood entity to address the new mass timber landscape. They have a webinar series on mass timber specifically to the 2021 code, but they have a publication that goes over the changes that occurred in the 2021 code specifically to mass timber, and um, it provides commentary, which is really great. And the publication is less than $40. I would really highly recommend if you want to know about the code changes to purchase that. Just for any listening engineers, so one of the reasons why I mentioned uh, a trade association specifically is that sometimes they'll do tours. That's how I saw the stadium that had Mass Timber integrated. It was a hybrid building. I don't recall what the structural component of the Mass Timber was for that particular stadium, but it was beautifully done. It was for that lobby entrance area. And it was like these big, it was essentially a beam to column style, like a web, and it was arched. Oh, it was so pretty. But you bring up a good point related to the associations. I know associations throughout the nation, they all have a young members group. And those young members group, often they have tours through buildings in their area. They'll arrange tours. 
of the associations I know lately, Mass Timber has been like the prime focus of all their tours. <laughs> so, so right now it's a good time to join and get out and about. And also you can ask a manufacturer or APA or Woodworks to provide a presentation to your group also. To end off here, Michelle, do you have any final advice for any structural engineers considering working more with mass timber? There is one thing I wanted to mention is about that timber strong design build competition. So another way is when I was with American Wood Council, I partnered with Simpson Strong Tie to develop a way for university students to learn about wood. And we created the Timber Strong Design Build Competition. It started in the Southwest uh, region, and it's now expanded through ASCE to other regions. But it was a competition where the students had to design a wood structure and purchase all the material, get a group together, and then come to the site. There was like six or seven teams would come to a site and build the actual structure. So they had to do from conception all the way to completion of building the structure. And it gave them a great look at what it takes to not only design a wood structure, but also build and source the material and fund it and everything. So that is a really good way to learn about wood construction and really getting out there with a nail and a hammer and drill and and saw and really creating the structure. So that's another good way to learn. Yes, in ASCE, I actually helped or I attended Houston. There was an ASCE student symposium, and that was the first time that I saw that one, but it was really interesting to watch for sure. It's moving past concrete canoe, that's for sure. And I think there was like a, a bowling ball, a concrete bowling ball competition, the mass timber one that you mentioned. And then also, what was the other one? There's like a flying disc or something like that. They're getting so competitive, but one thing I really like is they're diversifying to kind of what we're seeing in the industry. It's interesting to see these kids approach them. Creating that competition was one of the biggest highlights of my career. Just because you took something from nothing, created something that really benefits a lot of people. The students just seeing, interacting with them and seeing how they love these competitions, it was really felt good to do that. Do you have any final advice for structural engineers considering working more with Mass Timber? Have an open mind. And I think that's with anything. And to really be inquisitive and ask, ask, ask all the questions and try and connect with as many people as possible that are know about mass timber. Be willing to share your knowledge with others also. One other thing about learning more about mass timber is just scour the web. I mean, there is so many projects and look at how the projects go together. I would recommend going to the engineers' websites who are doing these type of projects and look at their portfolio. They have them on their website. You can see all different types of buildings that are going up. And that's another area that I don't think many think of is finding out information about mass timber is through the engineers who are doing it and seeing what they are showcasing on their website. 
And that's great feedback. So to summarize, ask questions because you can't get any answers unless you ask questions. Second is to network. A lot of knowledge is shared through industry professionals and just networking in general. And you learn a lot from those who have been in the industry for a long time. Then you also learn a lot from those who have been in the industry, maybe just through a rough education and kind of jumped into it. Lastly is scouring the internet. Google is always a great resource and hitting those key engineers and designers who have really approached the mass timber industry with a zest and provide that information online and on their website. I have one more to add to that. And that is talk to your coworkers, talk to people in Structural Engineering Association And you probably will gain a lot of friends and colleagues who are interested in mass timber. And together, you can learn about mass timber also. That's great final advice. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate your time today. And I know this is great for all of our listeners who are learning about mass timber. They're hearing the conversations and they're getting excited about this new industry change that we're all kind of seeing in the United States. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 76, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.